The following podcast contains explicit language. Part of the reason I started talking about herpes was there was this huge debate in the erotica community about whether or not we should be depicting safe sex in erotica. And I was like, I have feelings about this. Welcome to Sex Lives, New York Magazine's podcast about sex. I'm Maureen O'Connor, and we are joined today in studio by Ella Dawson. Welcome, Ella. Hi, thank you for having me. Ella is the author of many essays about sex, most notably Why I Love Telling People I Have Herpes, which appeared in Women's Health, Why I Celebrate the Day I Was Diagnosed with Herpes for MTV Founders, and Having Herpes Made My Sex Life Better for Day Magazine. Is it safe to say herpes is sort of your thing? Apparently. <laughs> Talking <laughs> about herpes, let's, let's clarify. I don't know when that happened, but that is now my life, yes. How did you start writing about herpes? Why? There was this really interesting debate happening in the erotica writing community about whether or not it should be required to include condoms in sex scenes in erotica. And I was a really new erotica author at that point. I hadn't been published in anything, Mm -hmm. but I was blogging regularly and I felt like there was this weird disconnect in that conversation with nobody talking about the fact that people have STDs too and that people with STDs have sex. And I felt like I had to say something, and I wound up writing just an essay on my blog about how I'm an erotica author, and I have herpes, and when I write erotica, it's impossible for me to not think about sex and the risks associated with sex because that's my own life. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I had ever publicly announced that I had herpes online. Um, It was a really scary moment, but it also felt super liberating. And what I didn't expect was the essay had this huge response, first from the erotica community, and then from friends and friends of friends and random people I went to college with who don't even read erotica, but had my blog forwarded to them and said, oh my God, I have herpes too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It changed my life in a weird way because suddenly I realized that so many people had this experience that I did and it made me want to keep writing about it. It's kind of like I had opened Pandora's box Uh and inside was a lot of really entertaining Facebook comments. (laughs) And... um, and I just I never turned back. It's it's been a huge part of my life ever since. Can we get into that of how herpes actually plays out in a love life? I mean, yeah, you sure. of course said that it made your sex life even better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I may have been slightly exaggerating for comedic well, how old effects. How were you when you were diagnosed? I was uh, a few days before my twenty first birthday, uh-huh. which sucked a lot. Um, no one has good yeah. sex before they're twenty one, anyways. That's completely true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry, no offense. Under 21-year-olds. No, it gets true. better. That's the great it message really we have. Yeah, I hope it, it keeps really getting does. better for all of life, frankly. <laughs> Abs- oh, I hope so, too. I'm only 24, so, like, it's it's all up from here. So you're diagnosed at 21. Yes. Um, I don't know. How did that play out? What was that yes. like? Yes. Uh, super fun story. Um, hi, sarcasm. So <laughs> I... I So just to backtrack a little bit, like when I was in college, um, I had a bit of a reputation that I enjoyed of like I was the editor of the college sex magazine. Mm-hmm. I was planning my thesis on feminist erotica. Um, I wasn't I didn't have a ton of casual sex because that wasn't it wasn't something I was super interested in. But I did have some. I and... don't think there was campus sex magazines when I was in college. Is this some micro generational <laughs> divide or were you just got to go to Wesleyan? <laughs> got to go to Wesleyan. <laughs> Uh, where everyone is extremely weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I had I had this like kind of reputation um, that I had fun kind of owning. And I wound up meeting somebody who I fell for really, really fast. He was like the mm-hmm. one night stand that just never left my apartment. And yeah. suddenly we were in a relationship. 
And a few weeks into the relationship, I woke up with an outbreak of really gross sores and I was really upset. And I did that like horrible Google search of like, oh my God, what is this? Please don't tell me it's herpes. But of course it is. Did you see it? Did you feel it? How did? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You felt it and then you did the mirror thing? Yes, I did the mirror thing. I poked around a lot. I immediately winced because sores in your first outbreak are super painful. Uh Um, It's not a pleasant experience. And the first outbreak is generally the worst that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was really revolted and scared and freaked out. Was he with you when you woke up that day? No, which was something of a relief. And I immediately went to the student health center, which thankfully at my school was super wonderful and non-judgmental and great. And the nurse took one look at me and was like, so you have genital herpes? And mm-hmm. she said a bunch of stuff that I don't remember about what it was. And she gave me all these pamphlets. And I felt like the walls were closing in. And it was this really horrible experience of, oh, my God, what if everything I've been told about sex is true? And I'm this terrible, disgusting person who has made all these awful choices. Like, I had such an existential crisis about my values and the activities that I did and my writing. It was so, like, I was, of course, the person who would get herpes. Um, And it was terrible. And what I wound up doing was I called my partner at the time, who I'd been seeing for a few weeks, and I was like, I have something really scary to tell you. Like, can I come meet up with you? And Mm -hmm. he said, no, like, tell me what's going on. I can't just go about my day when the girl I'm dating is crying on the phone. Like, what is it? And I said, like, I'm so sorry. I just got diagnosed with genital herpes. I didn't know that I had it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, please go get tested. And it didn't even pop into my head that he could have given it to me for some reason. (sighs) Like, it did not occur to me at all because I, I had had casual sex and I'd done all these things. And I was like, I must have been carrying it. It can't be him. And um, spoiler alert, we don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) That says something about like your mental state or who you assume is the guilty or quote unquote guilty party. I immediately took responsibility for it in my brain. And my first priority was I just want to make sure the people I care about are okay, that they have access to the care that they need. That that I I was so worried about having given it to somebody else that it didn't even occur to me who might have given it to me. I just wasn't concerned. How did he react? He was a dick about it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that speaks to the fact that he was not a good person is the mm-hmm. lesson I've learned since then. He His response was, of course, this is what I get for dating a girl like you. Like, what? you're so you, – you talk about how progressive you are and, like, of course, this is what would happen. Um, he called me a whore. Like, he went off. And Whoa. I was so – yeah, it was really appalling in retrospect. But I was so – ashamed of myself that I took it. And I was like, of course, that's how you react when your partner says that she has herpes. Like, of course, it didn't occur to me to think like, wow, you're a terrible person. And I remember telling my roommate, like relaying this conversation to her. And she's like, you need to never speak to him again. And stupidly, I kept dating him for a while after that. Whoa, really? Yeah. I guess so. He was just the person you learned how to deal with how to have herpes and also have a sex life simultaneously. Like, did you continue Mm -hmm. having sex? Yes, because he also tested positive. (laughs) And then you're like, what the (laughs) hell? Wait, is that... So can you tell me a little bit about the practical health side of that in that if you Mm -hmm. both have herpes, is it okay to keep on having unprotected sex? How yeah. how do you sort of manage that? Yeah, so we we both had the same strain in the same location. Mm-hmm. So there was no risk of us transmitting anything to each other when we already had it. But we did continue to have sex, um, really great sex. But uh, when you are having an outbreak, even if your partner already has herpes, it, it would just be super painful to have sex if you yeah. have sores. So 
We did not always have sex. It was really hard, at least for me, to resume having sex just because I felt so disgusting. Yeah. And I felt so undesirable. And I also had all of this new fear associated with sex that I'd never had before. So it took me a really long time to become comfortable with my sexuality again and with my body again. And that took a few years. That wasn't something that happened overnight. What strain of herpes do you have? And doesn't everyone have herpes? Yes. I'm exaggerating. I don't no, know. but what? pretty much everyone. Can, can you tell me those statistics? That I information? can. So I have HSV-1. There are two major strains of herpes, HSV-1 and HSV-2. HSV-1 is ridiculously common. The World Health Organization released a report that said that two in three people have the same strain that I do, HSV-1. And usually that does cause um, cold sores. It's more often associated with Mm -hmm. oral herpes. But because of a rise of oral sex, there are a lot of young women who are getting HSV-1 genitally. Oh, my God. That's why it's literally that it went from mouths to pussies. Yes. So there's – and I remember talking to – So if someone goes down on you while they're having a cold – don't let someone with a cold sore. Never let somebody with a cold sore go down on you. Period. Either direction, whether you've got a dick or vagina or yes, anything else. Either direction. Don't do it. Um, and like even be careful making out with them because you can get you can have oral herpes transmitted through yeah. kissing to your mouth. And people don't really think of cold sores as herpes, but that is literally Clarity. what herpes is. Cold sores are on the lips, not yes. like gums, cheek. Those are canker sores. Yes. I found this out because I researched this ahead of time. And actually <laughs> I was shocked because I always actually thought I did have herpes one (laughs) but it turns out i just get canker sores which is because i don't eat vegetables anyway (laughs) well that's the thing is like we so don't know what herpes is and like i know a lot of people who who didn't know they had herpes but had it all along Mm -hmm. um after having conversations with me but occasionally i'll also have the other direction where somebody's like oh i thought i had herpes but i guess i'm not special and i'm like oh i feel really bad for you Well, I was sort of surprised that I was like, given the amount of makeouts, I was like, how the fuck don't I have this? Yeah, it's But it's maybe I so do and common. I don't even know it, right? Yeah, a lot of people have herpes and never show symptoms, too, mm-hmm. and just carry it. A lot of people will Your immune have... system just mm-hmm. battles it off? Yeah, or it just stays dormant. A lot of people will... Um... Oh, I forgot my train of thought. Um, oh, a lot of people will have herpes, but it's only triggered by really weird things. Hmm. So I have a friend who has oral herpes and has her entire life because her her dad had it and he like kissed her on the mouth when she was little. Um, thanks, dad. But <laughs> she for some reason, she only has outbreaks when she is in salt water and sunlight. So when she goes to the beach, she has to be really careful. Oh. And that's what triggers cold sores for her, hmm. which is super weird. But I've also I have a friend who has um has HSV2, which is the second strain, which is usually genital herpes, which is slightly, which is less common than the first strain, but she only has symptoms in her elbow. And her genital herpes are in her elbow? Yes. And she has no idea why. I don't know. I don't know what she gets up to, but she herself like (laughs) jokes about it. And I used to work with her and she would like tie um, like a sash around her elbow every so often because she would be stressed from going on tour for something. And I would know, nobody else would know, but I would know is because she was having an outbreak of herpes. So it's just a really strange skin condition. So there's several strains of herpes Mm -hmm. and... (laughs) The first strain, usually mouth, but it can go anywhere. Second strain, usually genitals. But it can, but go, it can anywhere go anywhere, too. Yeah. Do they look the same? Yes. Um, I think sores generally look the same. They can look a little different in terms of, like, how inflamed they are, which is yeah. gross to think about. But it's usually, like, a white or red sore that's very sensitive to the touch. Um, 
But yeah, if you, yeah, you can usually figure out quite quickly if it is like a herpes sore. How long do outbreaks last for most people? It sounds like it varies a lot or how frequent are they? It var- How frequent they are varies a lot from person to person mm-hmm. and how long they, they last can vary as well. Um, it also depends on what medication you're on, if anything, in terms of if you're taking Valtrex or any of the herpes medications, those can help your sores heal much faster. Um, and you can also take Valtrex or things like it daily. It's called suppressive therapy that just mm-hmm. helps the virus chill out and like not. It helps yeah. prevent outbreaks and transmission. Um, I've in my life only had two herpes outbreaks. Mm-hmm. I had the first one, which was terrible and lasted about a week and a half, maybe, or a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on Val- Valtrex. Not a pleasant experience. And then I had my second outbreak, I think, two years later because I was working a very stressful conference in a really wacky time zone and my body was just kind of in panic. Yeah. And um, my body broke down and I had an outbreak and it was really actually anticlimactic because I'd been dreading having another outbreak for so long. But I had like a ha- like a few sores, like two or three, and I was moderately uncomfortable. And then they were gone within like four days. And I was like, oh, I've, I had been so afraid of this happening and it was fine. It's um, so crazy that the sort of like scarlet letter of herpes was so impressed on you and yeah. is like a thing you think about or did think about for quite a while. And yet like practically... Uh, two outbreaks, yeah. you know. I, I've had a lot of sinus infections in my life, and I would much rather have herpes than sinus infections because <laughs> sinus infections will, like, knock out your brain and just mess you up and last forever. But I've had two herpes outbreaks, and I was able to go to work, and nobody knew what was going on, and I just took some Tylenol and some Valtrex, and I was fine. Yeah. It's so overblown. And there are people who have more serious strains of herpes and like who they're bought it can like mess with your body in different ways like mm-hmm. it's not super chill for everyone but for the vast majority of people it is just an annoying skin condition that pops up every so often i have friends who have had one outbreak in their entire life yeah. um not as big of a deal as people make it out to be it's also crazy because when i looked at these statistics after reading your articles um okay when you if you just add up the number of people that i've like slept with one in four definitely wasn't <laughs> disclosing genital herpes to me. I don't yeah. know if all the people with genital herpes weren't sleeping with me or if they were just between <laughs> outbreaks or they didn't know. Definitely not two and three HSV-1, although mm-hmm. I imagine that people aren't necessarily like, sometimes I have cold sores, but I don't have one right now before they kiss people. It makes me really sad that it's something that people are so afraid to talk about at all. And some people just don't know their status, but I feel like if you do know your status, you have a moral obligation to share yeah. that with your partner. Um, I think most people don't. In this crazy way, and you pointed this out once, that somebody who tells you they have herpes is probably safer, actually, Mm -hmm. to fuck because they know what's going on. They're paying attention. As compared to somebody that's like, I had a weird bump once, and then it went away, so whatever. Never went to the doctor, never thought about it twice. Yeah, somebody who knows their status and tells you they're going to communicate if they're if they are worried about having an outbreak if there are things that you can do differently to stay safe like that's the best possible partner to have um and you've probably dated in your life generally speaking all of us probably dated so many people who had stds and either didn't know or were too afraid to say anything and you just had no idea so i i get so mad when i hear about people who have disclosed their status and been rejected for that Mm because i'm like that is just statistically a really dumb move (laughs) like going to come back and bite you. But I actually, I have only been rejected for having herpes once. And it was an OkCupid date with somebody who had just gotten over chlamydia. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. Like, it's, it's been only a few weeks. Um, so I was like, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I've been really 
pleasantly surprised by how much people are saying about it. And the older I get, the more frequently I'm having conversations with somebody who's like, oh, I already know about herpes. Like I've already had a scare or I have a friend or I already have it. Like the older I get, the more people already know, which has been really wonderful. Well, it sounds like when you have all the information, it's significantly mm-hmm. less scary than... Absolutely. And I I'm, heard yeah. so-and-so, oh my God, what is it? That conversation, I mean, is this like first date conversation for you then? Is this is this mm-hmm. Tinder conversation for you? <laughs> One of my favorite Tinder conversations was I had been flirting with this guy. He He was flirting with me and invited me to his hotel, basically. And I was like, I usually wait until I've had a gin and tonic before I tell someone this, but... I have herpes and like, here's what you should know. And he's like, oh, I've known for 20 minutes. I Googled you already. (laughs) And I was like, great, cool. We don't have to talk about it. So I get it out of the way super fast um, because it's for and it's also the sooner you bring it up and the more casual and confident you are when you talk about it, the more reassured that other person is as well. Mm -hmm. A mistake that I made when I was still newly diagnosed was. I would frequently tell somebody with a lot of like, I'm so sorry, I hope this doesn't change the way you think of me. And like, I set them up to think it's a really scary thing. Whereas now when I have those conversations, it's just like, oh, by the way, I have this thing or like, haha, I'm internet famous for having herpes. And like, my delivery is so much more confident and usually funny that the other person, they come to it from a different frame of mind. And those conversations are a lot more successful and comfortable. I wonder how many legitimately terrible things one could pass under the confidence act, right? Because there's so many things that aren't a big deal, but somebody's like, I just need to let you know. And you're like, dude, I didn't think that was a big deal, but this conversation is freaking me out. Exactly. It's no big deal, but I murdered my last four boyfriends. Anyway, let's go get some gin and tonics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you're, you know, deciding about sleeping with someone, is there a moment when you're like, let me double check that there's no outbreak or you're just like, fuck, I know. For myself? You yeah, mean? for yourself. For I others. I already know. If I have an outbreak, there's I... There's no question in your mind no, when you're... No, And if you are having an outbreak, most people will know that they're having an outbreak. If they don't recognize it as an outbreak, it's probably because they don't know that I they have herpes at all. Yeah. And we all had terrible sex education. Yeah, and um, you're like, something hurts, but is that normal? Yeah. Or is it a pimple or like something weird like that? But if you're poking around down there and it's really unpleasant, that's, yeah, that's a bad sign. Go to your doctor. Sorry. No, <laughs> that's so okay. horrified. No. <laughs> so then, I yes. mean, it sounds like herpes doesn't actually play into your love life that much other than Not disclosing anymore. when you meet someone. What's had more of an impact on my dating life is the fact that I am internet famous for having herpes <laughs> as opposed to just having herpes. Because it is, it's a different dynamic when you start to date me. Like, dating me is some sort of, like, weird political statement now of, like, I'm having sex with this woman who everyone knows has herpes. Like, I get in my head about that, worrying for my partners. Usually, they're like, it's fine and everybody thinks you're gorgeous, so don't worry about it. You are very beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) What is, but, like, what is that political statement? I don't know. Like, I mean, does it feel like you're getting a sort of self-selecting group of men now? And are they a better group of men? I would argue they're a much better group of men um, with some exceptions, you know who you are, but like I give it a little too into it. Occasionally, yes. Like when you're a sex writer, some people that's just like the thing that's most important to them. Um, but it's actually been a net positive. It like mm-hmm. it's the it's the douchebag detector. Like if somebody freaks out about herpes and and is really weird and slut shamey about it, I'm like, please get out of my life, and I'm better for it. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's been and I've I've been really lucky to have really great relationships since I got diagnosed and yeah, I'm a happy camper. So that that's the why it made your sex life better component? 
Yes. It's helped me communicate about sexuality. Mm -hmm. It makes my partners feel more comfortable telling me what they like or what they don't or like what experiences they've had. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't always use condoms now, which I think scandalizes some people. And when I got diagnosed, I had never had sex without condoms. So Mm -hmm. I was it it became unthinkable for me then to imagine having sex without condoms because I was just like, well, now I have to protect other people for the rest of my life. And That was so scary to me just because it felt like such a burden. But I wound up entering a few different long-term relationships um, after I got diagnosed in the years that followed that with people. And when you have been dating somebody for months and months and months, sometimes you just get lazy, like if you're being honest. And I was with a really wonderful accepting partner who eventually was like, look, I don't care. It's sex is better without condoms for me. Uh, It might be for you. Like, I don't care about the risk. I've accepted it. Do you want to try it? And I was like, you're nuts, but sure, I'm, yes, it'll save me a trip to CVS. So we wound up having sex without condoms, and I loved it, which I didn't expect to. I always thought that was like a lie that people told to get out of using condoms. But for me, like as somebody who can struggle sometimes with like staying lubricated and and Mm -hmm. things like that, I was like, this is a whole new world. Like it was great. And it also had this double layer of like this person loves me enough, like is attracted to me enough that it doesn't even occur to him that this is risky for him. Like, that's so low on his priority list that it became a real expression of love and trust between us to have sex without condoms. And eventually we were like, all right, this is great. And in the long run, I now have an IUD. So, like, it's not... If I know my partner's status, they know mine. We're protected against pregnancy. Like, it is a responsible decision we come to together. Mm-hmm. Um, people vilify condomless sex, especially if you have an STD. But What's most important is that you and your partner are coming to a decision together that is right for both of you. I certainly use condoms when I'm with a new partner and when I haven't had that conversation. But when with when I'm with a long-term partner, I love having sex without condoms. Mm. Surprise. <laughs> Who would have thought? I, I wrote an essay about having sex without condoms on my blog. And every single Sunday, that one post from two years ago gets a huge spike in traffic because of all the people Googling herpes no condom. What? On Sunday mornings because they've either. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. Because they've either like clearly fucked up or. On Saturday night. That yeah. Like, oh no. Exactly. And like, I. That breaks my heart for them that they've yes. made like a weird choice, but it's so funny to me that there's like, it's just always a concern people have. And I will forever have blog traffic. <laughs> but. That is so funny. Yeah, it's so funny to me. But yeah, so I had abstinence only sex education, so I didn't get any useful advice about sex from that but i volunteered for planned parenthood as a teenager and always had um giant like crates of condoms in my high school locker that i would distribute like i was just the condom champion um (laughs) you've always been a sex educator i have yeah why what 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 gave you the sex educator gene i think that part of it is that i read a lot of like harry potter erotic fan fiction as a teenager oh my god is that how this all started (laughs) yes I it literally, is all J.K. Rowling's fault. Listeners didn't see it. I literally almost <laughs> did a spit take because I was sipping my Diet Coke when she yes. said that. Yeah. Wait, how I, did erotic Harry Potter fanfic, was it like you were really into Harry Potter and then you wandered into the erotica world? That is basically how it happened. I, When I was like a young, a young teenager browsing the internet, like I was super into Harry Potter and then somehow came across Harry Potter fan fiction. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. There are more Harry Potter books on the internet and they follow all my weird interests. And I got very into like Hermione Draco fanfic for some reason. Oh. Um, which is bad really boy. popular. Yeah. Um, now in retrospect, I'm like, that's kind of creepy. He's super racist. But I <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Is it have like because she's the like the muggle and they're racist against muggles? 
No. Pretty much, yeah. She's okay. a Muggle-born, and he's like all about pure blood. But I oh got. Oh my gosh, this is this is really charged. I know, especially <laughs> now in this like current political climate. I'm like, wow, I was I had weird Muggle cases statement. Being. But there were all of these fanfics of like her teaching him about um, why racism is bad, and them having like all of this amazing sex. And as like a 13 and a 14 year old girl who had been bombarded by all of this like weird sexual content for men and written by men and like mm-hmm. with men in mind, it was really liberating to read all of this like very badly written erotica from other teenage girls that prioritized Hermione and and explained sex in a way that was not terrifying. And I got super into it and I wrote my own fanfic and none of it was erotic, but like or at least it couldn't what be because I didn't in, know what I was doing. But What happened in your fanfic? I just wrote a lot of like romances of like uh. Hermione and Draco falling in love in dumb ways. Um, I remember reading like a Remus serious slash fic um, about... Wait, um, who are, which ones are so Remus and Sirius? So Remus Lupin was one of the professors. He was the werewolf. Uh. Um, and Sirius Black was Harry's godfather. And they had been like childhood friends. Was he... What animal was Sirius associated Sirius with? Sirius was the, the black lab, the dog. Got it. Yes. Well, they both have some like canine yes exactly elements. and there's like a How really romantic. <laughs> there's a really enthusiastic fan base for their their fictional relationship and i remember reading like a gay sex scene between them and just having no idea what went where and like i was <laughs> too shy to ask anyone like how gay men had sex because I was like this precocious 13 year old who still hadn't figured it out and I remember just being like baffled by this sex scene because I don't understand <laughs> and on top of that you're like and he's a werewolf ah <laughs> I don't know is this yeah my god is How it bestiality can... but I learned so much about sex from fan fiction and it was a super safe environment too to be learning about wild. sex yeah and then I transitioned to writing my own original fiction as I got older and then when I started having sex I started that started coming up in my fiction and suddenly I was like Oh wow, I'm a 20 year old erotica writer, and this is weird and so, unexpected. Sexy fanfic was a better sex education than your abstinence only school sex. One hundred percent. And like, you shouldn't learn everything from fan fiction. Like, <laughs> do not use saliva as lubricant. Like things like that. But yeah, Harry Potter but fan yes. fiction does not teach you everything you need to know. No, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was an introduction to like a healthier. Uh, kind of sexuality that was more about pleasure and connection and even if it is casual like you're fucking someone you really want to fuck um, as opposed to because you're drunk at a party or and like there was also an emphasis on consent and communication in fan fiction and that that's super helpful for for like a young person coming to their sexuality to be like that's this is a healthy model from Draco and Hermione The Best Laid Plans by Ning Lureth Read by Stardutches. Draco, I told you in Paris, we can't have any sort of relationship if I don't come first with you, and you don't come first with me. And do I come first with you? asked Master Draco. Of course you... Oh! Just Hermione Granger cried out in frustration. Tinker felt her little fists pound the sofa, and you could imagine the smug look on Master Draco's face. Then marry me, Granger said Master Draco. No! cried just Hermione Granger. No, Draco, I'm not going to be second best to your mother and father. I'm not going to rank somewhere behind your pure-blood friends. No! Hermione, said Master Draco. And Tinker heard true love in his voice, and he sensed that just Hermione Granger had heard it too. There was a long, long silence. Then Tinker heard just Hermione Granger moan. He crawled out from behind the sofa and peered over the arm. Master Draco was kissing just Hermione Granger, and 
Though Tinker didn't know much about kissing, you could tell that Just Hermione Granger was enjoying it. Do you anticipate herpes staying sort of like central to your your writing career or your sort of advocacy career? This is something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, I don't see it staying central to my work uh, for the for the simple reason that herpes is not a big deal. And after a while, you run out of things to say about it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that has happened in the last in the last year or so is that my work has made me a very strange political target, which I never expected. Hmm. I wrote an essay on Medium about how one of my sexual health campaigns that I started with a few friends um, for STD Awareness Month, which is April, um, last year had been co-opted by um, Meninists and Milo Yiannopoulos and all those people Mm -hmm. making fun of us. And I wrote about that experience and I I basically thanked Hillary for acknowledging that the violence done online is real. And she wrote me a letter, which was really sweet, like a personal letter just thanking me for it. And that made me even more of a target from the right. And there were actually some of my favorite headlines I've ever seen written about me that was like, herpes infected feminist makes the 2016 election all about her and like stuff like that. Like I've been on Infowars and Breitbart. So it's yeah, it's and it's so strange. Like I'm just some random chick with a blog. So what did Hillary write to you? Did Hillary talk to you about herpes? She, I'm, I love her. She, uh, she basically wrote me a letter saying, like, thank you so much for your brave activism to destigmatize STDs. And she wrote me like a little pep talk about um, why harassment and um, like the erosion of our civil discourse, I think was her phrase, was so unacceptable. And at the end of the letter, she was like, I just said in my speech, like, um, show me with who you walk and I'll show you who you are. And and she said at the end, like, I'm proud to walk with you, Ella. And I was just like, oh, thank ah, you. Was it, it an was email? Really cool. It was a letter. It was like a physical letter. Because you, you, you were doing the, like, like letter, like, the letter pen, writing gesture. gesture. Yeah, no, I came home from work and there was a letter from Hillary Clinton in my in my box, my mailbox. Oh, my gosh. Hillary Clinton must be the only person sending snail mail. <laughs> Wonderful. Like when I think of all the terrible things that I get in the mail, all I ever get is bills. I know. It's (laughs) just like bills and like lost magazines and a jury summons and Hillary Clinton. Like that's the only mail I've ever gotten (laughs) as an adult. Not bad. Hillary Clinton saying it's A-OK to have an STD. She was, I think, the first person. I think she's the first politician to talk about STD stigma ever. Really? As far as I know. Yeah. Mm. It was was super wild. That is super wild. I felt very validated. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our guest this week is Ella Dawson. You can, how can people find you if they want to find you on the internet? I am on Twitter first and foremost at, at bros and pros because I write prose about bros. Um, <laughs> and you can find my website at lscydawson.wordpress.com. Does that mean that your prose is about having sex with bros? It has been in the past, yes. Got a bro thing, huh? Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, trying to break that habit. Don't we all? No, lean in. Lean into your bro. (laughs) Just get the woke bros. They'll be fine. They're out there. They're hard to find, but they're out there. Sex Lives is produced by Ilana Milner and Afim Shapiro. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.